right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Morning Skate. This is episode 200. That's right. We've done 200 of these things. I cannot believe that. If you listen to last episode, I think we've been podcasting for a total of 16 days, which is insane. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. Well, two special guests. First off, Clara is in the building. Clara, how's everything going? It's going good. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic. I'm glad that you're able to hop on because, guys, we, I mean, we got him. Um, I would say every single person who's played hockey that had to get on a bus trip with the boys when they played the video i mean you you put on miracle and uh i mean i'm getting chills even like thinking about it right now 1980 miracle team the united states to go out to beat the soviets they beat uh finland for the gold medal well the guy who makes the good meatballs you keep eating them i keep making them he came on mike aruzioni welcome to the podcast how's it going man i'm doing good thank you very much thanks for having me on and uh hello to clara as well nice to see you again always a pleasure I, I, I am so happy winter at Massachusetts. This is the guy, I mean, absolute idol. We're going to kind of get into it a little bit later when, when we talk about uh, winning gold and stuff like that. But Mike, I'm going to let you know, I've read two books front to cover my entire life. I, I normally spend a lot of time doing spark notes. I think it was Harry Potter. And I want to say it's a sorcerer's stone was one of them. And the making of a miracle, your autobiography, who was, uh, Claire's dad helped you out with this, which is unbelievable. Claire, you sent this to me at, what was it, last summer? Yeah, or- so, right, like, when you contact me, contacted me to join the morning skate, I remember you called me, um, and I brought up that my dad worked with Mike to write the book, um, and Mike, you probably know, like, my dad is always so excited to talk about the book um, anytime someone brings it up. So I told my dad, like, you contacted me about the morning skate, and he was like, oh, I'll send him a book. What's his address? So <laughs> send it well, out. Yeah. Your, dad, your dad was spectacular as far as putting this whole, you know, putting the book together, and uh, he didn't uh, he didn't leave any, any stones unturned, and, uh, you know, it was a, a pleasure to work with him, and, and the results were, were pretty good. I think everybody that I've talked to, uh, all my family members that have read the book have, have enjoyed it immensely, and uh, some of my teammates have read it and they've enjoyed it as well. So that's, if you can get my teammates to enjoy something, that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it, he he loves awesome. the feedback from it and, and he, he listens to this. So he's, he's super excited. I'm, I'm doing this too. So You're good. And when I was reading the book, like I would read it but in my head, I would be reading as if like you were talking to me. I don't know if that's a weird thing, but like the whole time, like this is awesome. I'm hanging out with Mike Ruzioni right now. He's telling me about his life. This is like, this is fantastic. If you guys haven't read it, I would highly suggest reading it because there's so many cool little fun facts throughout the course of this book. Now, Mike, I'm pretty sure this is off memory. Your old man's birthday was 4th of July. Yeah. My dad was born on the 4th of July. I mean, the stars align, don't they? I, that, that's like the most American thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I just, yeah, we have, we have a lot of good 4th of July parties. Uh, hoping next year this COVID thing is gone so we can, uh, we can celebrate it uh, as we normally do. Celebrate the right way. I love it. So, Mike, let's hop right into it, man. Winthrop, Massachusetts. Uh, again, if you've read the book, you talk about that. You, you know, you grew up playing not just hockey, but you played a few other sports. Uh, I guess the question for you is: I, I think there's a lot of if you have like a kid, especially nowadays, I feel like they kind of just stick to hockey. There's not that many people playing multiple sports. Now you see guys like Keandre Miller and appreciate Cole Caulfield, Wisconsin, Claire, shout out to you. That kind of yeah. grew up playing more than just one sport, more than one hockey. And I think that in the book, you mentioned how important it was that you got to play a variety of different sports. If you could just kind of talk on that, like how important was that to you growing up as a, well, as a it, kid? it was huge. Um, you know, I mean, I, I loved hockey and hockey was fun, but I also had a passion for football and I played more baseball in my life than anything else. So hockey was something you, 
It kind of just did in the wintertime. Um, and I think I was a good hockey player because I did play the other two sports. And, and I liked the break. I liked the change. I liked the change in seasons. And, you know, kids today, especially young kids, it's crazy that they're spending all that time in one sport. Uh, you know, I can see if you're 14 or 15 years old and you start to develop a skill and all of a sudden you, you kind of focus into something. But when you're a young kid, I think you got to get out there and explore everything and play different sports. Uh, the break in the season is nice. You can't have that grind of playing hockey year round. I just, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a believer in playing a variety. And my, my kids uh, did the same thing as well. My my older son was a football track and, and a hockey player. And my youngest son was a golfer, uh, a hockey player and a baseball player. And, and that's what they did. I wanted them playing different sports. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's part of being a kid, too. You know, it's just part of enjoying being a kid. No, I mean, absolutely. And you were great at all the, all the other sports. I think my biggest regret in life is not playing high school football. I hate the fact that I didn't play football because it's, it's as close to hockey. I would think in terms of like brotherhood with the boys in the room like, and like, you know what I mean? Like you, it's one team, one dream, and it's not really one guy out in front of the other guy. And I would, I wish I would have had that. I, I was a baseball guy, second base, but yeah, I, I mean, I love hearing that. So was hockey like growing up, was that easily your best sport? Uh, no, probably baseball when I was really young. And then, uh, you know, in high school, I was in all state and all three sports. So it's pretty uh, good. You know, I just kind of funneled into hockey. I wanted to play, you know, hockey, football and baseball in college. And, uh, you know, I was going to go to university of New Hampshire. That's what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, they didn't think I was good enough to play hockey. So I had really no school to go to. Um, and it, like you said, you saw it in my book. I, the only school that really recruited me was Merrimack college. Um, and they were division two school then they weren't division one. So I was going to Merrimack. I was going to play hockey. I, I don't even know if they had a baseball team there then. I know they didn't have football. Uh, so I was going to Merrimack and I figured, okay, that hockey's a sport I'm going to play. And then in the summer, I got a call from a friend that was looking for a, a guy to play in a summer hockey league game. And I played baseball in the summer. I didn't play really hockey in the summer. And, uh, you know, they needed some players because a bunch of the guys went to the Cape for the weekend so I said, I'll play. So I went to the game and I played and the guy refereeing the game was Jack Parker, who was the assistant coach at Boston University. And he pulled me aside and told me he had a scholarship available. A kid from Canada decided not to come. And did I want to go to Boston University? And, you know, BU at that point was coming off back-to-back -back national championships. They're a pretty good hockey team. And yeah. I felt I could play there. And I, uh, I said, yes. And I went home and told my dad I was going to Boston University and a, a $3,500 full scholarship. Uh, that's how much it was then and ended up at uh, BU and actually uh, Jack wouldn't let me play football. Um, but I did play baseball a couple of years, but I ended up going to the world championships with the, with the national team. So I had to quit the baseball team to go to Europe and play hockey and uh, you know, played in the two yes national teams and stopped playing baseball at BU and just ended up playing hockey, but played, uh, played baseball in the summer still. Have you ever seen the movie, the butterfly effect? It's like a movie from years ago. And essentially what happens is like, there's little decisions that you make throughout the course of your life that change everything. And the fact that you went to a summer skate that Jack Parker happened to be referee. I mean, do you ever look back at it and you're like, thank God I went to that skate or what? Well, you know, life is about opportunities. And, you know, I, I had a great opportunity that day to, to play. I didn't, I didn't know who Jack Parker was. I didn't know who was refereeing the game. Right. Um, but you know, I guess you know, my dad always told me when you play, you know, play, you play hard and you work hard. So even though it was a summer league game, I, you know, I played like it was a, it was a big game for me, not knowing, like I said, I was going to get offered a chance to go to Boston university. It was a summer league game. I didn't even know Jack was, you know, who the referees were. Right. So, um, 
yeah, you just you, you never know how how life's going to work out. But uh, you know, I could have gone to that game and then just gone through the motions because it was a summer league game. But that that wasn't my mindset, and that's not the way I played sports in general. So um, yeah, you know, right place, right time. Obviously, if I didn't go to that summer league game, I I wouldn't have gone to BU, and if I didn't go to BU, I probably wouldn't have made an Olympic team. So yeah, it's funny how life works. That's that's crazy, and and it's not even. I mean, that's that's like kind of a big picture, but just in terms of like the BU picture, a, a guy that New Hampshire said that they didn't want. You go to a school that's won two national championships back to back. That's the school you're going to go to, and you go with a kid, Rick Meager, who I'm pretty sure was the other guy because what there were two spots yeah. right that that were supposed to be filled, they weren't filled. They bring in Mike Ruzioni and Rick Meager, and then by the end of it, you guys ended up having the record for like most points in BU history, correct? Yeah, Rick. Uh- Actually, it's pronounced Mahar. Uh, oh, wow. But it's, no, but it's, everybody always said meager. We, we used okay. to laugh at it. But, um, yeah, uh, Rick was going to go to Clarkson and decided at the last minute he changed his mind and, and wanted to follow his brother, Terry, uh, who was at Boston University at the time. So they got Rick Mahar and myself uh, July and August um, back to back, and we got graduated as number one, number two, all-time leading scorers. And Rick was a three-time All-American and probably one of the best players ever to play at Boston University. But, uh, you know, we kind of clicked. We, we worked well playing together and uh, became not only just teammates, but best friends. He's actually the godfather to my youngest son, Paul. So, um, you know, Rick had a great NHL career. He won the Selkie Trophy. He's the best defensive forward. Okay. Um, he was a pretty good player, but we, we had a lot of fun playing together. And, yeah, you know, he got us both at the at the last minute. I mean, that's butterfly effect on two different levels. And you mentioned his brother, Terry. So – during the movie Miracle, almost immediately, like as soon as the movie starts, you see that there's some bad blood between Boston and Minnesota. And like I, I was born in 1990, so I, I didn't know anything how like real, how unreal these these uh, the movie was. So Terry, I'm pretty sure, was involved with that situation that happened with BU in Minnesota with the whole you steal the ring right off my finger. Am I correct? Right. Yeah. So Terry, Terry, what happened there? Well, Terry was our leading goal scorer that year. I think he had 35 goals. He had a, he had a great senior year. He was a captain of our team. And, uh, you know, Terry got thrown out for fighting um, and he didn't really get in a fight, but they had to throw somebody out. So we lost our leading scorer and, and they lost one of their tough guys, not one of their top players. And, um, and it was a bench clearing brawl. Both teams actually should have been thrown out of the tournament because you can't fight in college hockey. And uh, both benches, uh, benches empty. The police had to come out on the ice. It was crazy. Oh, wow. It was nasty. Uh, it was an insane riot. And, uh, we ended up losing that game. I think it was four to two. They went on and won the, you know, they, they then won the next game and they won the national championship. And that was the year we thought we were going to win the whole thing. We, we were awfully good, um, had some great players and, uh, that was the bench clearing brawl. And it was Minnesota versus Boston at that time. And although we were predominantly a Canadian team, uh, most of my teammates back then were, were from Canada. It still was a Boston university, Minnesota rivalry that, uh, that lasted for a while because the next year at the Olympic festival, Team Minnesota and Team Massachusetts in the warm-up had a bench-clearing brawl. So there was a history between Minnesota and Massachusetts, which is not not very good. And I think that just kind of even brings into the fact that, like, obviously winning a gold medal as as a bunch of, like, college amateur kids is insane. But the fact that, you know, you're able to bring in guys, it's kind of like – I, Red Sox, Yankees, I would think, or, or something along those lines where it's rivals, where it's not just like you don't like the other team, like you, you hate, you hate the other team. And the fact that you can bring in those boys together and like make that click, I mean, that just that shows what Herb Brooks was supposed to be that guy, you know, like things happen for a reason. But 
so you spent four years at BU. Uh, throughout the throughout this time, I, I was a little confused. I'm pretty sure you you were playing on some U.S. national teams. Yes, I played in the U.S. Uh, national team, uh, uh, two U.S. national teams. That had a chance to play in the '76 Olympic team, uh, but passed that up to stay at Boston University. That was the year we thought we were going to win the national championship. So, right, uh, you know, I had a chance to be on the '76 team. I I I said no. Um, because I wanted to stay at BU and not leave the team. And uh, then when I had the second opportunity again in 1980, I wasn't going to let that pass. Do you think that that played a pretty big role, in, not a huge role in the 1980, but just being familiar with already had playing the Russians like before the tournament had started? I know that you guys played literally the, like a couple nights before the Olympic tournament started, but years past, like kind of being able to see these guys click and like for guys who hadn't played against the Russians, be able to tell them like, damn, like, they're pretty good. Yeah. You know, we, we never really talked about the Soviets or the Russians at that time. You know, I mean, we knew they were a great team. I played, like I said, in the world championships and never, never beaten them. Lost, I think one year we, we lost 10 to five. Then one we lost 13 to one. Uh, but they were, you know, they, they were as, as good as anybody could have imagined the hockey team. But, you know, in, in 1980, the, the Soviets were never a discussion for us. You know, we had other teams to worry about. Uh, you know, they were in the other division we needed to get to the medal round to even have a chance to play them. So, you know, during the Olympic games, again, that was a country we never even talked about. We just try to get better as a team and, and go to the Olympic games and try to get to the medal round. That was our goal. Uh, no, absolutely. And before we kind of even really dive into that whole Olympic discussion, you ended up playing the IHL in Toledo. And one of the things that I read in the book is you got to play against Bill Goldie Goldthorpe, who is essentially Ogie Oglethorpe. Yeah, he was on the team. He was on your team or played against? Yeah. Him? No, he, oh, okay. he he got called up. Uh, we ended up signing him. He, I think he played two games or three games, and then he got thrown out of the league. Uh, <laughs> and he ended up going to play. Actually, he played a couple of games for the Rangers. So he gets thrown out of our league. Next thing you know, he's dressing for the New York Rangers. So it was it was kind of a, a, a wake-up call to hockey saying, I guess maybe you don't have to be that good a player to make the Rangers. <laughs> uh, but he didn't last long there, and then eventually he was out of hockey. But uh, – yeah, it was interesting playing with Ogie. That was the league I played in. That was the that was a slap shot. That was my first year there. Was crazy. It was um, you know fights all the time, uh, bench clearing brawls all the time. Had, teammates would fight in practice sometimes. It was it was pretty wild going from college hockey to to Toledo. Um, but the second year in Toledo was a much better league. They got rid of a lot of fighting. The league became a lot more skill, uh, and I think they just kind of got some good younger players that came into the league and. The second year was was a totally different than the first year, and it's crazy. You're, you're talking about getting rid of fighting, and it's more skilled. But like even the hockey back in like the 80s and 90s, if you watch hockey in 80s and 90s compared to the game today, it's like a completely different sport. <laughs> like like even getting through the neutral zone, all the hooking and the grabbing and just right. smacking. Like Mark Messier, probably my favorite player of all time, would just elbow people all the time because that's just what he did to win games. Yeah. And now it's like completely different game but you know, the skill level oh the influx of the europeans has changed a lot of the game as well and and the skill level is so good i mean the players today are uh you know total respect for players you know in my era but they're they're a lot better today than they were back then yeah it's it's a completely different game but you end up trying out for the olympic team the one thing i i, I think i might have lost a question but it was a national sports festival that's how you ended up trying out i've never heard of anything like that so can you kind of just explain to us like what that was even even like going in there well they had a, it was it was called the national sports festival and it was almost like an olympic games in your own country uh, they had all different sports and these athletes came together and they competed it was an opening ceremonies hockey was one of the sports figure skating was one of the sports oh cool yeah. 
all different. There was boxing, there was track and field, soccer. I mean, it was incredible. Um, so that it was, like I said, it was a mini Olympics, but it was all United States athletes and hockey was part of the competition. So we went, they divided us up into four different teams. Uh, all the 68 players, I think, was there. They put us on four different teams and we competed against each other over two weeks. Um, you know, in the movie, they have the team picked in one day. It was two weeks. So for two weeks, we competed against each other. And actually, I was on the Great Lakes team. Uh, and we ended up winning the gold medal. We, we beat Minnesota in the, in the championship game to win the gold at the festival. So uh, that that was the process of how you get selected to, to play on the Olympic team. I would have had no idea about that. That I mean, that, that's pretty cool. Oh, I could be wrong, but is that where um, the fight between the two USA guys in the movie Miracle really happened? No, they just showed that move. That, that they showed the fight in the movie based on the the, the fight in Minnesota uh, in Denver at the national championship game. Okay. Oh, okay. Rather than you know show it again, they just got it. They had McClanahan fighting O'Callaghan, which. Would never have happened. McClanahan never would have fought O'Callaghan. Dakota <laughs> would have been a better person. Fighting Interesting. Okay, so here here's some behind the scenes stuff. Also, Mike, I completely forgot to mention this. We had the other Mike Ruzioni already on the podcast. We had Patrick Dempsey come on because I, I was like, well, if we can't get a Ruzioni, we're going to get the guy who played him, and it was yeah, kind of Patrick's awesome. great. Yeah, he was a great guy. The way he was talking about the movie and like how it's filmed and like how it, he's like, yeah, and most like the nineteen eighty guys, they really enjoyed it. Which, I mean, it speaks and talk about a spitting image of a guy. Oh my god! Like when you saw that he was playing you, were you like, is this my twin or like what's going on? Well, it was funny. They had uh, uh, Michael Mantenuto played Jack O'Callaghan and Patrick Dempsey played Mike Ruzioni. And you know they should have switched. The Irishman should have played O'Callaghan and the <laughs> Italian should have played me, but. Uh, <laughs> That's Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So you, you end up making the team. Uh, did you have any idea what you were signing up for when, when, uh, when you got called to make the team with, with Herb Brooks and all the conditioning and all the new type of hockey styles with, with the Russian switching lanes? Like, I feel like back then it was like a very structured game where I think he kind of opened it up and kind of gave you guys creativity but with the same sense of like being sure that you're defensively responsible. Yeah, he was brilliant. Uh, he was ahead of his time. You you watch the NHL today. That's how we played in 1980. Um, you know, the switching of positions, crisscrossing, a lot of the European game. Uh, and that's what Herb wanted to teach us. He, he said, we're going to learn to play the European style and we're going to throw it right back at the Europeans. And, you know, people said you can't teach that in six months. And Herb said, I can and we will. And he did. Uh, but it was fun. It was fun to do something different. It was fun to change the way you play. Um, I really liked I really liked the openness that Herb gave us, the creativity um, you know, you were somewhat responsible defensively, but offensively, you could kind of go anywhere you wanted to. Uh, very different than playing under Jack Parker at BU, even very different than playing in the 70s, uh, which was very regimented. You stayed on your lane, you stayed on your side, and now you're doing something different. And I think uh, that was the skill that our team had. I mean, we could skate. We had great speed. Uh, we were really young. Um, we didn't know any better. We, we were just playing. And uh, you know, Herb was hard. He was demanding, but that's how coaches coached in that era. Jack right. Parker was the same way. He was in your face, challenged you every single day. And um, that's the way it was. You deal with it and, and you move on. So uh, it was not, nothing different to me. My high school football coach was like that as was as my high school baseball coach. They were very strict, disciplined, old school kind of people. And that's what Herb was. Um, but the only difference with Herb was the creativity that he had, that, that he gave us that opportunity to play a style that, uh, we really enjoyed and fit into the type of team that we had. 
was now in the movie con- the conditioning kind of was really hammered home to the watchers where you guys were doing herbies or suicides all the time I, was the conditioning there something that you hadn't seen before like in terms of bag skates or is it just everything everything every practice was at high speed every practice was was uh all out uh sometimes we'd only practice for an hour and it would be a full speed practice for one whole hour constantly going from one drill to the next uh very, very rarely would you have a chance to catch your breath or rest. But, um, you know, that's what Herb wanted. And the guys on our team that I've talked to over the years, they, they've said it. that's the best shape they've ever been in, in any team that they played. And a lot of these guys went on to the National Hockey League and, and had great careers. And, and still the best shape they ever were in was in 1980. And uh, I think there was a, a statistic, and I'm not exactly sure, but I think we outscored our opponents 16-3 to three in the third period throughout the Olympic games. And that's an incredible number. Yeah. And that, that tells you that, that the conditioning, we wore teams down. And I think we did that to the Soviets in the last 10 minutes of the Soviet game. They didn't have many scoring chances. And, and I think again, that, that, that conditioning and that speed. And I think our youth, um, you know, our average age was 21 and a half or maybe 22 at the most. Matter of fact, I think the Olympic team I played on in 1980 would probably be the youngest team in college hockey today. So, wow. You know, again, that's another number you you know people don't realize is uh, how young we were, and I mean that just makes it even even more like I'm kind of blown away right now. Uh, you're you're named captain, and in your book, like at least in my mind, I was kind of thinking to be like this really cool thing, kind of like a like a ring of honor, bring in Mike. It was just Herb telling you, just kind of like super casually, like oh yeah, and Mike's captain. Yeah, practice was we voted, <laughs> we voted. And we were on the ice and practice ended. And Herb said, we're on the ice tomorrow at 10. Mike, you're the captain. See you tomorrow. Um, so it wasn't a big deal. And I think I probably said that in my book. I mean, there, were, there was a team of captains. Yeah. Uh, you know, every one of my teammates was a captain of either their high school team. And, uh, you know, every, every, Billy Baker, Buzzy Schneider, Mike, Mike, uh, Mark Johnson, Bobby Souter, Pav- Pavlich, Harrington, Morrow, Wells, O'Callaghan. They were all captains at the colleges as well. So, uh, you know, you got a, a team of leaders and it was, you know, the, to me, it was just be myself and don't try to do anything different. To, I, I don't know if I was voted captain. I can't imagine all the Minnesota guys were going to vote for someone <laughs> Boston. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just, to me, it was a great honor, but uh, not that, not that big a deal. The scene where you guys are getting bagged after playing the game, I think it was in Norway. That's real life, correct? And what's as bad as that? We, no, we skated, but not, not all 20 of us. 26 guys were on the roster at that time, uh, but only 16 of us dressed that night. A lot of nights would only dress three lines. Huh. And Buzzy Schneider got thrown out for fighting, so there were only 15 of us left. And when the game was over, we did the, the Herbies. We did them not 15 at a time. We did them five guys at a time. And then we'd do them for about 15 minutes, and then we'd stretch. And then he blew the whistle, and we went back, and we – did him again for 15 minutes. Then we stretched Then we did him again. Then we stretched and we did him again. And then they shut the lights off in the building. And I think it was Mark. You guys were smashing their stick against the boards. And I think it was magic. Uh, Mark Johnson smashed his stick and Herb said, if I hear another stick smash against the glass, you'll skate till you die. Well, nobody said a word. And we finally, <laughs> we finally finished the drill. And then we went back in the locker room. And he said, if we play this way again tomorrow, we had to play Norway the next day again. Uh, we'll skate again, and we won eight to nothing the next day. Message so, received. <laughs> message was received. 
Wow. So in in the movie, obviously, you you know, there's there's the whole oh, who do you play for the United States right. of America? And I mean, I think a lot of us know that 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 was added for dramatic effect. So what actually was it that made Herb um, end the suicides after that game? I think it was respect. I think we we just didn't respect our opponents that night, and that was the lesson to us. If you know, and I, I say this all the time: if you don't respect your competition, you won't be successful. You know, if, if you don't respect yourself, you won't be successful, and if you don't respect your teammates, you won't be successful. So I think that was the message to us: was that you just can't go out in the ice and just step out there and win. That there is a lot of you know a lot of important values in in, in being a, a great team. And one of them is respect. And, and I think that that's the way I took it um, was we just thought it was going to be a fun night. And, you know, in the movie, they get the guys looking at the girls in the stands and that that didn't happen. Uh, that was a little Hollywoodish there. But, um, you know, I, I think that was the real reason why we skated. Interesting. And and you you guys stayed in, in Lake Placid, I think, for six months right before the Olympics ended up happening. Had you ever been to Lake Placid before then? No, I'd never been. We, we actually trained out. Of, we were based out of Minneapolis. Oh, oh, okay. So that that was our home home base. We had apartments. Uh, I lived with Ralph Cox. Um, oh, the other guys lived together at different different. Some guys lived with their parents, at, you know, because they were in Minnesota. Uh, they stayed with their with their mother and father rather than you know get an apartment. Um, and we went to Lake Placid for the first time. Uh, was at Christmas. Uh, there was a Christmas tournament, uh, and we won we won the gold medal at the tournament. But there were the was a Soviet B team, the Swedish B team, and I think the Czechoslovakian B team, not not the real Olympic teams. Uh, so that was my first time in Lake Placid. That was in that was uh, yeah around December. Then went Lake back. Placid and Christmas Christmas time. It's yeah. If you've never been to Lake Placid before, it is one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. Like I, when you pull in, you see the Olympic jump, and you're like, oh my yeah. god, and like. I mean, you lived it. You were you were in the Olympics in Lake Placid, but like for me, I go to Lake Placid and I cannot believe that the Olympics were held in like this small little town in New York. Right? Isn't that crazy? Well, you know, there was a lot less sports then. There was a lot less countries. Uh, you know, there weren't anywhere any near as many athletes in in Lake Placid at the Winter Olympics than there are at the Winter Olympics now. Right. So it was a quaint little Olympic Games then. Now now it's grown with the addition of so many different sports. It's. Uh, it's it's crazy. So before the Olympics start, you guys end up playing the Russians at Madison Square Garden. I I, I wouldn't I forget probably like a week, maybe a week before the Olympics no, started. It was just a few before. Okay, all right. After that game, you guys ended up getting pumped quite a bit. What was what was like the mood in the locker room? Was it kind of like okay, this is a wake up call. We're about to be going to the Olympics. Were people down? Were there things that happened during the game where you're like, man, if we keep doing this, like this is something. Like, how did you build off of something like that? Well, it was never talked about again. Okay, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of us we were just happy that the, the grind was over, the season was over. Um, you know, I think we had, you know, one foot in the locker room in New York and the other foot in the locker room in Lake Placid. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. It was the last game. Uh, uh, we, we did not play well, obviously. Uh, we stood around and watched. Uh, we weren't the same team the second time we played them than we were the first time. But when the game was over, it was really never talked about. It was let's get on the bus, let's go to Lake Placid, and let's get ready for the for the real tournament, the real, the real games. And, again, like I said, the Soviet game and – the Soviets were never talked about until the night before we were getting ready to play them. Our, our, our worry was was Sweden. That was our first game. 
in in the movie, there's a scene where Jimmy Craig kind of gets lit up, and then Herb's like, "Hey, I think I'm putting Janny in. You want me to take your test? I'll take your test." Did some did that end up happening? Was it was Herb like not hard on Jimmy Craig? But what was the relationship with Jimmy Craig and, and Herb going into the Olympics? Um, you know, I, I that's a great question because I don't really know how it was. You know, Jimmy lived with our team doctor. Uh, we never really saw Jim that much. You know, after you know he'd come to practice, and after practice, he'd go back to where he was staying. So. Um, you know, I think that was probably Herb just kind of trying to light a fire under Jim. Yeah. Uh, Herb was a great motivator, and I think that's in his mind was kind of challenging Jimmy. Uh, but I think that that we knew, and I think Herb knew that that, that Jimmy was going to be our goalie. Yeah. And, and so maybe it was just a way for Herb to just piss him off a little, light a fire a little bit. Like, okay, yeah. all right, good to know. So you guys get to the Olympics, and the first game that you guys have, I'm pretty sure I have this pulled up. Sweden, correct? You guys tie Sweden two to two. Uh, after that game, actually, that was, that's when Billy Baker scored late. Billy scored with 28 seconds left to go. I think it was 28, probably the biggest goal of the Olympics. Uh, I, what was what was it like in the locker room after that? I mean, being well, we, our Italian well, team, Sweden, too, too. They were one of the better teams in your division. Yeah, right? We were excited. We got a point out of the game. We didn't play well. Um, I think that was probably the best part of it, it was that we didn't we didn't play as well as we were capable of playing and still got a, got a point out of that. So I think – Billy's goal was a huge momentum builder for us um, because, like I said, we, we don't play well and we get a point out of it. And I think that momentum carried into the Czechoslovakian game. Uh, you know, they were the only country that anybody thought might be able to beat the Soviets. And, you know, we, we beat them seven to three. We basically blew them out of the building. So, uh, again, that was just all off of Billy's goal and the emotion of that game carried right into Czechoslovakia. And after you guys beat Czechoslovakia seven to three, I, I would only imagine you guys probably started getting a little bit of swagger to you, right? Like a little bit of belief that, like, hey, like we belong here. Like we just beat the team that was supposed to have the only chance of beating the Russians, right? Yeah, I, I think obviously the confidence level was there, but we were still so we, we were such a young team that I don't think it mattered to anybody. We we were just happy playing, you know. We beat the Czechs, uh, and what do we do the next day? We get practice, and then we okay, we have a nice practice, and then the next game is Norway, and we beat Norway, okay. Uh, what do we got next? We get practice. Let's go to practice. When was the next game? And and that really was the, the kind of approach that we had. It wasn't, um, you know, we were having fun. We were enjoying the opportunity that we were having. But it was there was never any big build up. Anything, you know, any there was there was no nerves, um, because we weren't allowed to talk to the media. We didn't know people were watching the way they were. Uh, we knew people in Lake Placid were excited, but no clue that the world was watching the way they were. And we didn't realize that till after the Olympic Games were over. So we were in a little cocoon in Lake Placid, not realizing what was happening around us. And, and you mentioned that you weren't allowed to talk to the media in the movie. Uh, it's Herb talking, and then he ends up sending Craig out there. Is that did that actually end up happening? I, I heard that happened. I, I you know I didn't know because we right. didn't we didn't talk to anybody. We didn't know what was going on. We were just you know kind of living in our own little world. And you're just going out there playing the game you love. That's I love that. Oh my god, that's awesome. I a plus. Uh, you guys end up being in Norway, Romania, West Germany, and then it's on to the medal rounds where you guys have the Russians in the first round. Um, the night before you play the Russians, what are you doing? I went out there. I went back to the where my parents uh, were staying in in a campsite, and I had a state police officer drive me up there. Had a few beers. Uh, had a little barbecue outside. Uh, sat around with my cousin, my dad, my mom, my high school football coach, I love that. a bunch of other friends of mine, and 
uh, yeah, I, you know, probably had four or five beers and relaxed and went back to the village and, uh, went to bed and got up to play the game. You know, it's, uh, you can't, you can't make it bigger than it is. You, you know, it's a big game, but you can't do, you can't take yourself kind of out of your comfort zone. Uh, you know, if I went back to the village and just kind of sat in my, my little trailer, I, I, I'd have been walking around in circles. So right. it, was, it was fun for me to go and spend time with my family and kind of relax and, uh, get up the next day to, to get ready to play. Really makes you appreciate things too, right? Like you were spending time with the people who had helped get you to where you needed to be. Like your high school football coach is there. Like your, your mom, your dad, like, Oh man, that's so awesome. And, and having a couple beers, which is hilarious because now there's like 24 hour rules in hockey and stuff. And like, Oh, you can't No, no, not that. That's well, really, really special. It, Drink like four or five beers the night before a game, you win a gold medal. All the time. There was, there was no Twitter or Facebook or anything then. So nobody knew anything and nobody knew what anyone was, was doing or, uh, you know, where they were going. I love that. So you guys go in and you, and you play the Russians, man. And, uh, I, I mean, I love watching the game in real time. It's awesome. Al Michaels, don't, people don't know the difference between a blue line and a clothesline. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. I mean, just awesome stuff. It, the Soviets kind of seemed, they brought it to you the first period. Jimmy Craig kept you in the game. It's two one and Mark Johnson scores with, I, I don't even know how much time was on the clock. Not much time on the clock. One second. Uh, what was that like? Like that had to have yeah. been such a huge moment for you guys yeah. going into the room, knowing that, you know what, we're even up everything square. Well, that's, you know, I mean, again, you talk about big goals, you know, Billy Baker's goal, uh, all of Mark's goals. If it wasn't for Mark, <laughs> we don't win. I mean, he was, he was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, the mindset changed, you know, we didn't play well and we were two, two, um, and, and, you know, again, the, the emotion and the energy in the room was great. We were very positive, uh, realizing we didn't play well. But, you know, the games, games that's 20 minutes, in, in, you know, uh, gone. And uh, let's start the second period even again. So, you know, I, the, the game went the, the way we needed it to go. You know, if we got behind by two or three goals, then it's over. See you later. Um, if they scored four, we weren't scoring five. <laughs> so, you know, the game kind of came exactly the way we needed it to come. Um, we stayed with them. We hung with them. Um, you know, then Mark scored with 10 minutes left to, to, to tie it. And then I scored to give us the lead. But uh, again, plays were made throughout the game. Kenny Morrow was unbelievable, you know, steadying our defense. And, uh, you know, we played four lines. We didn't, you know, we just kept rolling guys over the boards and we kept playing and kept after them. And, um, you know, we didn't have a great second period either. We had to, we took some bad penalties, but uh, again, our team defense. And again, Jimmy was solid. And then when we took the lead the last 10 minutes, uh, like I said, I, I've only seen the game twice or three times. Uh, and one was with uh, – Really? That was with with your dad. We watched it. Yeah. Um, and the last 10 minutes, I couldn't believe how well we played. They had very few shots on goal, and most of them, a couple were from outside the blue line. So, uh, you know, they were doing things they normally didn't do. They were dumping the puck in the zone, and they never do things like that. So I think we rattled them a little. And then, again, our youth uh, and our speed and our conditioning – you know, came to the forefront and uh, we ended up winning. So I remember one of the things my dad um, told me after he, he watched the game with you was that it seemed like, although you guys really were portrayed as um, this team of underdogs and I believe you were outshot in the game. Um, you guys really didn't feel like you were the underdog. You felt like you were right up there with them playing their game. Yes. And especially, especially in the third period, um, 
you know, like I said, when Mark scored, it was a whole different mindset. And, you know, they started doing things that they normally didn't do. And we just kept playing our game. As, you know, Herb said it throughout the Olympic Games, play your game, play your game. I mean, we weren't worried about what other teams were doing. We weren't concerned about the Soviets. We weren't concerned about uh, Tretiak wasn't in goal. The other guy was in goal. It didn't matter to us. Uh, we had to play our game and not worry about what other teams were doing. Let them worry about us and not us worry about them. And and that kind of how we went through the whole games. I feel like that just that's just mental toughness, right? Like I, everybody who was watching and who knew anything about hockey at the time were probably like, why is Tretiak out of the net? But like you guys, you're like, okay. And let's just keep rolling. Well, the other goalie was the go- was the goalie that played when they shut out the NHL All Stars six to nothing. So uh, the second goalie was a bad goaltender. But yeah. like I said, that, that was never a concern of ours. Ours was just we needed to do the things that we needed to do uh, in order to win, and, and not worry about you know what they were doing. And, and you popped in the game winner. This might be a weird question, but like, can you, if you were to close your eyes, can you remember everything about that play? Like in real time, like where I was, how I got the pocket, like, can you break down your goal for us? Yeah. Well, it's a, you know, it's a play. Actually it's, I scored a goal when we lost 10 to three to the Soviets, I scored probably the exact same goal in the exact same spot in Madison square garden. I don't have the video of it, but if you went back and saw it, it, it's probably the exact same play uh, that happened in Madison Square Garden when I scored it. But it was Trediak was in goal, I think, in Madison Square Garden. But it was just a play that happened. You know, the, John Harrington did a great job of forechecking, and the puck kind of bounced up the boards, and Mark Pavlich uh, kind of got there and tipped it over to me. And the defenseman was in front of me, and it, uh, if he stayed, I was going to use him as a screen and shoot. If he came back, if he charged at me, I, I think it was Harrington and Baker – were to my left going towards the net. I was going to try to maybe feed one of them, but the defenseman stayed and I shot and it went in and we got the lead. And that's kind of how I looked at it. You know, it was still 10 minutes left to go. And, um, you know, a lot can happen against the Soviets in 10 minutes. I was just happy that I had an opportunity to help out when I could have. That feeling when the puck went across the line, have you ever felt that ever in your life? even close to replicating that feeling other than maybe like when you guys did win the gold, like I can't imagine what that felt like. Like any goal that you score, you know, I think you're excited and happy. And, um, you know, I scored, you know, one against uh, Czechoslovakia. We were losing one to nothing. I scored the first goal to tie it. And I thought that was a big goal because, you know, we tie the game. We we don't go, you know, who who knows if we go fall behind two nothing, who knows what happens. (laughs) And even Norway, we were down one, nothing. And I scored to make it one, one, uh, which I think was a huge goal because who knows how you're going to react if you go behind two nothing. So, to me, it was it was a it was a huge goal and it was a great goal. It probably uh, meant more to me after the Olympic Games than it did at the time. You know, at the time it was like, okay, we got the lead, we win the game, and you know, we beat Finland and and we win the whole thing. Then I can look back and think, wow, I had a, you know a, a a big hand in 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 the big game, well, one of the big games. Uh, People still, you know, people still think we only played one game. People don't realize right. that the Finland game was was bigger than the Soviet game. Because, I mean, let's be let's be honest. If we don't beat Finland, we're not talking today. I'm not writing a book. Uh, there's no movies. There's no stories. Right. It, it would be, hey, you guys had a great Olympics, but if you only if you only could have beat Finland, so uh, that's why I, I think I take more pride in the Finland game than anything else because we closed the deal. You know, we finished the deal. I, I have one more question about the rush game before we get to that, the Finland game. At what point do you guys know that you have it wrapped up? 
is it literally when the scoreboard says zero zero or are you feeling pretty good with like two minutes left? Like what was, what was the feeling on the bench? As soon as the, the, the when zero zero, zero, zero. zero when we knew, uh, cause you know, they're explosive. They can score a lot of goals in a, in, in, in a quick amount of time. So you had one eye on the clock and one eye on the game and one eye on the clock and one eye on the game. And, and I was actually waiting because I was, I was going up next. I was on the next, the next shift. I think the next line was going to be me, me, um, Pavlich and, and um, Buzzy Schneider. So I'm, I'm you know, kind of looking, waiting for my wing to maybe come off the ice. Uh, but I, it would, uh, would have been silky. No, Robbie McClanahan. Um, but they stayed out to the end and they got the puck out of the zone and that's how it ended. I, I lied. Actually. I have one other question. They ended up not pulling their goalie. And do you have any reason? To, like, do you know why? Uh, the only Does guy anybody know why maybe cause they've never been behind before. Uh, they had one forty straight game. So, I don't know. That's a great question. The only person that can answer that is their coach. So I have yeah. no idea why they never pulled him. I've always wondered that. Like yeah. that's such a weird move. But who cares? We we end up we win them and we go and we play the Finns. And and you guys you guys were trailing in the Finland game, or I make that up? No, we were trailing. We we were trailing every game in the Olympics, but Romania. Okay, so you guys are trailing the Finns. And isn't that when when Herb walks in and he says, "You'll take it to your to your fucking grave"? Did you say something like that? That was after the second period, yeah, going into the third period. If you lose this game, you'll take it to you. Oh, he said it twice. Yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty, pretty spot on with that one. Yeah, right. And I feel like he, you just know he just knew when to say things. And you guys battle back and you beat the the Finns and like you have the celebration. You guys won a gold medal. A bunch of young kids that weren't even supposed to be sniffing a medal around end up taking home the gold. I think one of my favorite things about the entire thing is when you guys get the gold medals and you call everybody up on the podium with you. And to me, that was almost like almost even a bigger miracle than winning the gold medal, having that many people on that small square little box, man. Yeah, I don't think it would fit now, but we, we fit then. <laughs> and I just, oh man, what I winning a gold medal. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate dream, I think, for any athlete, right? Like, what was the, what did that mean to you? Well, I, I think, you know, it's it's pretty special because, you know, there aren't many, you know, Olympic gold medalists out there. There's, right. there's Super Bowls every year. There are World Series every year and Stanley Cups every year. But the Olympics are every four years. So uh, I think when you when you represent your country, it's, it's, a, it's a great honor. It's a special honor. It's not, you know, Boston or Chicago or L.A. It's, it's the United States. And I think that's what separates – um, our moment from other sporting moments because it is not just one city or one town. It's 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 your country that you represent, and that's that's what makes it that much more special. No, I, I mean it's. I'm sure that you could ask hockey players if they'd rather have a Stanley Cup or a gold medal. I bet. I I don't know what it'd be. I I personally would pick a gold medal. I love being American. Bleed that red, white, and blue, baby. That's all me. Fourth of July. I love that shit. I know other people probably pick the Stanley Cup, whatever. But you're right that they don't. Gold medalists don't really grow on trees, man. So I mean, that's, that's that's quite the quite the accomplishment. I just unreal. And before I kind of get into these little like fun fact questions about you that I really want to ask Claire, do you have any other questions for him before we get to that? Yeah. So just kind of going off of that, I'd be interested to hear what you have to think about. Um, you know, like the last Olympics, they didn't allow NHL players, and I think this upcoming one. They are, um, and just what what you kind of think of, um, you know, going back to using like amateur and college players. I I wasn't sure how I'd like if the pros were going to play. You know, I didn't know how they'd play. Would they play hard against each other, knowing that you know they're going against their teammates? You know, 
guys that play for the Penguins together, you know, Sydney's playing against Brooks Orpik. Uh, but when I talked to some of the players, it didn't matter. Uh, and you could see it, the, the, the intensity, the skill. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the pros playing in the games. Um, you know, it, we, we've got you know, the tables a lot more even now than it used to be. The European countries are obviously still pretty good, but we go into a tournament now with, with a chance to win. Uh, some of these great young players that are playing in the National Hockey League from this country. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see them play. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they go back to letting them play again in, in, um, in, in the next winter games uh, in China. Um, I'm excited for their opportunity to, to, to you know, win a medal. Uh, it's, it's very different now than it was, you know, in 1980. And I know um, in the hockey world, World Juniors every year almost is like that big international event. And especially because I worked for the NTDP for three years. Now I'm on my second year with Wisconsin. So World Juniors really is kind of like the, the crown jewel of the year. And I was just wondering what you think about the U.S. kind of becoming, you know, right up there with Canada every year. Like especially this year, the tournament was in Canada. Canada had basically an entire entire team of first round draft picks but the u.s still found a way um to pull out a win and if you ask the guys on the team they really didn't think that they were the underdogs in that situation right well you know you look at the players and you know where 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 they're coming from now you know years ago you were from boston or michigan massachusetts minnesota uh, now you get guys out of california texas florida uh arizona um you know, some of the best players in, in, in the world now are from the United States. So uh, the sport has grown. It's incredible, the skill level. And uh, I, I get excited to watch. I, I love the World Juniors. Uh, I don't think Canada played against a team tougher or grittier than the U.S., and I think that's how they mm -hmm. were able to win that game. Uh, Canada might have had all the skill, but they did. They, nobody played it as hard against them as the U.S. did physically as well as, you know, the, the skill level that we had, which was pretty good. But I think we, we – uh, we kind of took it to them a little more than I think they were used to getting it taken mm -hmm. to them. But the rivalry now is Canada. Uh, that's, that's our, that's the hockey rivalry. No, it's not the Russians. It's not the Swedes or the Finns. Uh, it's really got down to a U.S. Canada, which is great. It's great for the, for the sport of ice hockey. Of course. Yeah. It's, and I, you mentioned if the guys like, would they play hard against each other? I'm pretty sure David Backus, uh, the year that he played right before the Olympics, he went out and he fought, um, who was it? it? Was Jonathan Taves, Ryan Getzlav, and somebody else? So he he was ready for it, which you you love seeing that, right? Like you're playing for your country, man. Like let's go. So, uh, fun fact question time before you wrap this up. I'm kind of interested to see some of your answers here. So the first one in the movie Miracle, you boys keep eating them, I keep making them. We're talking meatballs. <laughs> was, was that a thing that actually happened? And if so, is there like an Arusioni special recipe for oh, my mother? My mother, when the guys came to my house, uh, my mom made dinner for the team. And that was the specials that my mom's specials meatballs. And I could do a little, a little, but nothing like hers, but the guys were spoiled having hers. <laughs> I love that, man. I wish oh, I'd give anything to have one of those. Uh, let's see here. Just to, ever, just to interject oh, yeah. for, for a second here. Go for it. I think one thing that we haven't talked about yet is your father, Jeep, who, if you've read the book is just an absolute Legend. character. Legend. Like, um, <laughs> For those of you who haven't read, I think he drove like an RV out to uh, Lake Placid to see you guys play. He was he was up there at like a practice with a six pack of beer, watching it. Sitting in the stands, um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so just just tell us a little bit a little bit about uh, Jeep and, and how well, he was, character he is. He, he was unique. He, he was uh, he was a special person. He was a man's man. Uh, uh, you know, he worked three jobs, took care of the kids, but he was a character. You know, like I said, he showed up at the Soviet practice and it was closed. Nobody was allowed in practice, and I skated on the ice, and he's up in the stands with my high school football coach. <laughs> and he's got a, a brown bag with six beers inside it. And I was like, I can't believe you're here. How'd you get in? He said, I told the state trooper who I was. He let me in. And then Herb even, Herb liked my dad, so he didn't even bother him. He let him sit there and watch practice. Uh, but he just he was always doing some, you know, crazy little things around the house. Um, yeah, he's he's uh, pretty notorious uh, for getting himself in, in trouble um, and, and then finding a way to get himself out of it, uh, which kind of yeah. drives me nuts because I'm trying to do some of those things. But she, she, she's not as tolerant as my mother was. <laughs> and I think I one, of, one of my favorite parts of the book was um, he told you like, you should have deked or something. And you asked him like, tell me what deke means. <laughs> yeah, when I was in college, I had a breakaway and I, I went in and I shot the puck. And after the game, my father said, I should have deked the goalie. And I says, what? He says, you should have deked the goalie. I, I go, what does deke mean? He goes, I don't know, but the guy behind me told me you should have deked the goalie. <laughs> So I learned don't listen and, to my yeah. father. <laughs> and I think a lot of us who, who play hockey or, or grew up playing kind of know, like sometimes it just after a tough game, you kind of just don't want to hear it from the parents. Like, right. yeah, they always have something to say, but. Thank you. I love that he's just pounding beers watching you guys practice. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, did you ever think that we'd be talking about this 40 years later? Like, I, like, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if you saw the mail that I get uh, constantly getting letters from people, you know, that want an autograph picture or send me copies of the book to sign. So, um, you know, it's not on the tip of people's tongues, but when they talk about sporting events and sporting moments, clearly uh, our story comes up. So, um, you know, who, who, who'd have thought 40 years later, they'd be talking about it, but um, I'm glad they are. Buzz, Buzz said the exact same thing. We had Buzz on the podcast probably about a month or two ago, and he's like, "Can't believe it, but happy it's happening." <laughs> uh, how when you, what was your like your first reaction when you saw the movie Miracle? I thought it was all right. Uh, I thought the HBO documentary was better than the movie, mm -hmm. um, but you know the movie's really the Herbrook story, and we're a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I wish they had mentioned more of the guys on the team. Mark Johnson, Kenny Morrow are hardly mentioned in the movie, and they were huge parts. And, main reasons we, we were able to win. Um, but, you know, I thought it was fine, a little Hollywoodish here and there, but, you know, I'm glad somebody did did something. So, um, yeah, I thought it was okay. okay. Kurt Russell was amazing as Herb, so that that was the thing that caught me. Was He was brilliant as Herb Brooks. Did you ever get a chance to meet Kurt Russell? I'm sure, like, oh, yeah. or whatever. Like, is he a cool oh, guy? Yeah, Kurt's very nice. I got play, played some golf with him. Um, oh, that's friend, awesome. A friend of mine sent a picture of him and – a friend of mine who lives in Denver was with Kurt last week in Hawaii and he sent me a picture of the two of them together. So yeah, you know, I, I, I talk to him now and then and run into him here and there. That's great. Uh, here, here's kind of a weird one. If you could host a music festival for yourself, who are five bands or artists that you would want to play your own music festival? Uh, any bands, any, anybody, anybody. anybody. I'm, not, it's, I'm, I'm not a huge music guy. I mean, I am, I love music, but <laughs> I'm, I'm more of like, you know, Frank Sinatra. Okay. Kind of. So I, I, if I could have, uh, I'd have him there. I'd, I'd have the beach boys. Cause I, I love that, I love that music. Boys. Yeah. Um, 
I definitely have Rascal Flats because I, I know the singers at Rascal Flats. They're good guys and good friends. So that's three. Um, what's the the movie they just made? Um, I've seen it a, a ton of times. That it, um, Freddie. Uh, oh, Queen. Queen. I would definitely have Queen. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't know who Queen was until uh, <laughs> I saw the movie. Um, so I got Sinatra, I got the Beach Boys, I got Queen, I got Rascal Flats. Um, what a concert that is! Maybe, maybe even uh, Simon and Garfunkel to get a little okay, a little more music there. I like to hear people sing. I like to hear voices. I'm a I'm a big fan of like American Idol and The Voice. Yeah, I watch those shows all the time. I love that you said the Beach Boys. I, I I don't listen to them often, but when the Beach Boys come on, it's always like, okay, I'm having a great day. I've never yeah. listened to the Beach Boys and ever been disappointed afterwards, which is which is all you can ask for. Uh, I don't know if you're a karaoke guy, but if you are a karaoke guy, what would be what would be your karaoke song? Well, my favorite song, "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Okay, so uh, that would probably be you know would be it. All right, and then if you're at the bar, what kind of beer are you drinking? Uh, I'm not a real big beer drinker anymore. I'm a Tito's and soda guy. Okay. All right. I drink Tito's and soda and red wine occasionally. That's about it. I don't drink you know, coffee or tea or soda or anything. I have water, Tito's and red wine. Those are my three, three things I drink. I love that. I love that for you. Uh, th that's about all the questions I have. Claire, do you have any other ones? I think you covered it. Yeah. Okay. Um, go buy the book. Yeah, <laughs> miracle. This thing, make sure that one's out there. It really is a great book. I love how the story's told. It, it really feels like you're talking and I'm just listening to you. And I got through this, I think, in a day. I think I started it early in the morning. And I just, it was one of those days where I wanted to go outside and catch some rays. So I walked outside and brought the book with me. And before I knew it, I was done and I was very sunburned. So it was, it was, great. It, was it was a great time. But I just, I can't believe I just talked to Mike Ruzioni for almost an hour. What, what a life I live. Thank, thanks for having me on, Clara. Always nice to see you, hon. Ted. You too. Listening. So, hello, Neil. Hope you're well. Everyone stay <laughs> yeah, safe. He'll, and, he'll, uh, he'll definitely be like the first to listen to this. Yeah. He was really, he called me like immediately when I told him. I was like, <laughs> I'm not with my friends right now. I'll call you back later. But. <laughs> we, we put a cheap plug in for the book, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Everyone, uh, stay safe and, and talk to you later. Take care. Thank you, Mike. Bye. See ya. Right.